sort of like so today we are going to be doing spongebob sponge on the run it's out on netflix may not be out everywhere but i mean the power of vpn you can get your hands on it and it is the third movie in uh, the spongebob series and we'll be taking a look at it, uh, looking into how the movie was made, the story, uh, characters, and the themes that we can take away from it, the life lessons and that sort of thing. So we'll start off with the movie itself and what we think about that. And we'll end off that section with our rating. So yeah. what did you think of it? Yeah, I felt like it was very, a uh, very classical um, animation. Um, sort of, you could say, um, yeah, an animation movie with a very common storyline. Um, I felt like well, re-watching, um, if people know the Lego movie, the storyline was pretty similar with that, um, um, that theme, that storyline of an adventure, going on an adventure, and then at the end of the day, actually sort of succeeding. Um, and sort of everybody, the characters getting uh, united, um, which is very common in a lot of animations. Um, and I felt it was, in general, it felt common, but the animation and everything they've used, the quality of work was, I think, um, very, outstanding and in a sense really yeah in a sense really good yeah i think that the animation definitely was great and yeah. the colors were vivid and vibrant and the transition between spongebob which is obviously a 2d cartoon to 3d worked really well mm -hmm. nothing felt like it was really out of place yeah nothing felt totally off or in the uncanny valley as they call it and the colors themselves worked well with each other because obviously we have the blue background which was almost everywhere and then we have the second most common color which was the yellow of spongebob and then as accent colors we had green and red which all fit nicely on the color wheel and uh, fit well within the three rule three color rule that you may know about within filmmaking yeah. where we try to have most of the colors in any one shot well over here it's animated but the concept is the same be around three colors a primary color a secondary color and then an accent color so that worked well and because of that the movie is pretty eye-catching and it's enjoyable yeah, to yeah, look yeah. at even if Definitely. there's no story really going on yeah I, I for also, me i think yeah yeah you can go no go ahead yeah oh yeah for me personally i felt like the movie in itself um if you look at it from a child's perspective is a very well-made movie it has every aspect of the past of spongebob basically having all the characters there um having the settings there and in, in a sense also sort of integrating it into a sort of new um setting and introducing that new place um and there were multiple places which were where people were introduced to uh, such as the lost atlantic city and also the past 
of these characters and i think that was a very interesting point for viewers who've actually watched spongebob from their childhood to come in again and then sort of refresh their minds because for me personally it's been a very long time since i've watched spongebob and it was great to actually revisit the story and then get along with all the characters again but then add there's that new aspect added onto it which worked really well i think yeah the backstory is an interesting part because it's actually one of the parts that people don't really like. And the reason why is that this backstory is actually different to the original backstories from the show, to the backstories that were written by the original creator. Uh, for example, if we go with the with Sandy the Squirrel, Sandy Cheeks, originally they, she was introduced, I think, episode two um, in the karate episode i think or the one where they're going sledding and people consider that to be quite an iconic episode and it's considered to be one of the most solid ones so i think a lot of the backlash that's coming um towards the backstories is that it's simply just different to what people are used to and that might be one of the reasons why they don't like it yeah. another reason why they don't like yeah, it you know. might be because it feels like a product placement in some way because it's actually setting stage that whole summer camp camp rock whatever they call it is setting the stage for their new uh show set in that timeline yeah um for me personally um i, I totally agree with that um fanship of the franchise in itself and you at if you're a long time viewer you do have that affection towards past scenes um i think um, that includes for almost every other um, franchise, for example, Star Wars, um, Avengers, if they, they do change things, they do, uh, it does tend to sort of harm um, the past memories and the, the history the, the franchise have. And I totally understand, but for me personally, when I was watching the movie, um, I'm talking about the, that movie in itself because I, I sort of look at the SpongeBob, the SpongeBob movie differently. It's like a whole new dimension. It's a whole new world. It's for me, it's like, like a reset. yeah, it's basically like um, in the Avengers, the Avengers being there and then you have the X-Men, right? You, they, you don't see them together, but they're in the same universe basically. So similarly, um, that's how I felt like um, I, I looked at the movie separately. And in that terms, giving that backstory was a really good aspect towards the movie and sort of building on the characters and also allowing the viewers to sort of blend in emotionally and also um, understand the reason behind um, whatever they're saying um, and backing Spongebob for, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely for, it's good that there's a backstory, but that's, more or less where it stops it, the backstory isn't great and people won't like because it it's different and they may not be as well written as the original backstories but at least it's there and we can take that for what it is yeah uh, but other than that i felt like the story one thing that i found kind of interesting was it's very much like the archetypal hero story or the mythological hero where yeah not only are they going and there's an adventure and at the end they all meet up and it's happy friends and sunshines and rainbows but there but there's also that pattern of going uh 
to face the tyrant where King Poseidon was at one point and then they also have an encounter with that El Diablo character and that's the free yeah, yeah, zombie yeah. souls yeah. which felt like that like was... how much more tyrannic can you get uh, they're literally that was, that, that was symbolizing the devil that was an amazing scene man I, I was just laughing the whole the whole time i think that that scene was really great i think it was something new for me personally having in a spongebob movie i didn't expect actually even sage appearing uh, was something i felt like oh um, this is something new. Um, you don't see an animation, animated movie, actually real life people come in. Um, I think yeah. the last time I saw that was in the Lego movie and I think that's what, where I see their similarities and constantly reflect on that movie as well. Um, but yeah, I think that scene um, typically when Snoop Dogg comes in sort of brings that um, 21st century vibe into it as well. Um, Definitely. And then creates this whole new, um, and that's where I felt this is a whole new, different um, movie, a separate universe from the original SpongeBob sequel. Yeah. The celebrity cameos are quite divisive because yeah. a lot of people feel like they don't really make sense i mean i don't know why snoop dogg was there i'm guessing the man is really desperate for money i don't imagine snoop dogg <laughs> is very financially stable with this kind of spending but uh, the keanu reeves uh cameo like the sage character i yeah. really like yeah i, like I, felt, I thought he was a good character and we'll get into his point a little bit later on yeah but one problem i saw with the with the movie was that the characters felt uh, spongebob especially felt a lot like uh he didn't he felt like a very a character who goes through the same arcs again and again and i get that that's in some case the nature of spongebob he's he's a more flat character but at least in the first four seasons of the show there's still some dynamism to him and over here he feels a lot like the the newer seasons where he's a very cyclical character and he just does the same things again and again and there's not a lot of progression like spongebob does cry a lot but i think he cried a bit too much and that uh, <laughs> yeah. when they leave on their adventure at the beginning and he starts screaming at patrick for no reason yeah, and they get yeah, angry yeah. at each other just yeah, to serve that, the plot personally i thought i felt that that's that those small bits um, sort of exaggerated SpongeBob too much. Um, Definitely, I think without those, I think it would have yeah, it would have worked out pretty well. Um, and it just shows that how you could see that desperation in the movie to sort of catch the audience and try to make it as funny as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that was yeah that that's a good point about the overall movie. But I don't, I think it works sometimes, but a lot of the time yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. And I that's mean, probably having like two a scenes. A lot of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you can go. I think it's the same thing that we see in newer seasons of SpongeBob and mostly in seasons after the original creator, Steven Hillenburg, left, where the characters don't feel exactly the same anymore, and especially in this movie. Yeah, I think I think that's obvious thing when when the creator he knows the characters best and that's why 
the first original storylines, the original characters are that important for a franchise or a sequel. And when when somebody new comes in, they have a whole different perspective in watching and looking at the characters. And I think that's why things slightly tend to change. But you can't do anything about that because, I mean, you can't have another person creating. Yeah, another creator, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so should that we have like, sense. should we have like our rating for the movie? Sorry, should we have our rating for the movie and then carry on um, to our questions? I'd say would. I mean, I think it's a tough one. What did, what did we give the Dark Knight movies? I Dark think Knight. the Dark Knight was like eight. Yeah, eight nine. Yeah, something like okay. that. Okay. Eight point five. And Batman yeah. Begins was what like seven? Seven. Yeah, six point five, seven. Yeah, somewhere around there. Oh man. I, I personally mean, think the SpongeBob movie story wise and everything composition wise was a bit better than Batman Begins. Yeah, but it's hard. They they feel similar in some sense. I'm leaning between a five and a six, so I'll yeah. go with five point five. Yeah, I think I'll go with a six then. Yeah, because I feel like uh, taking it out of the franchise sequence of SpongeBob, I think it's a really well made movie, but it's too obvious. The storyline's too obvious. Yeah. And then again, if you put it into that sequel, sequel, then it gets worse. So, yeah. All right. We'll go into some of the deeper themes and we'll explore two or three things, depending on how long we end up going. First, we'll talk about uh, the Atlantic City and the parallels between that and real life Vegas and Greek society. And then second, we'll talk about the sage character and what that represents. And one last thing, if we have time for, we'll talk about the idea of uh, robots taking over the world, which is passed under the movie in a couple of places, Mm -hmm. very nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. We'll take a look at that. So we'll start with the Atlantic City thing. And I think that was one one thing that I liked because it felt, and this links into the sage character, it felt like they... They do a good job of showing how that kind of lifestyle ruins a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they were they were so completely arrogant about oh yeah we have perfectly good focus we're definitely not going to get distracted after all of Sage's warnings and what do you know they end up getting distracted and I think they showed that really well and that entourage that just randomly shows up and they don't know them and they're like who are you oh we're your entourage. Yeah. That felt really accurate, and then as soon as they lose money, all the entourage runs away. So yeah, I think I, that warning was well done. Yeah, I think I think they sort of went out of the box because whenever I watch, uh, personally, whenever I watched SpongeBob when I was young, it was just Bikini Bottom. That was the only place everything worked. That was every. That was basically the setting, and when they moved out of that setting, it sort of felt, um, for me personally, it felt better. Like. Um, because because it felt always contained in this one section 
but then going out into this new world this new uh, whole new environment was very well played out and it suited actually the storyline as well so i really liked it and again going back on your um that society as a whole the atlantic city how um they sort of um get into that addiction of that wealth and the life uh rich life i think that perfectly portrays some of our society and as well as um when when i was watching that scene for me personally i had this um image that that this thought that came into my mind of a sodom and gomorrah and it's basically in the bible because <laughs> i'm a christian and I, i did read the bible and then there is a scene where everything's so identical and i think that comes again from the western culture as well yeah um, cuz it has that it, it is heavily influenced by uh religion as well um so i feel like that scene was if you're looking at it from a western lens i think that's something um people would relate to as well so yeah i felt i felt that scene was very uh, well well structured yeah and i think the whole a lot of the antagonists do seem very biblical and very myth- mythological i mean yeah. they have the literal devil they have the tyrant mm-hmm. these are our archetypal structures of evil in all mythology and yeah they also have the archetypal hero who's on a quest to retrieve the gold and save everyone yeah so that felt like there was definitely a lot of uh, influence from from these stories mm-hmm. and so, yeah i i uh, adding on to your point about that um i personally felt when they were talking about Poseidon and um the greek mythology and putting in some biblical ideas into it as well and introducing the devil and everything for me personally it felt off it felt odd but again it matched it suited well somehow i think that stark contrast sometimes it suits well it works such out. as like yeah black and white they're very contrasting colors but then they do blend in very well and i think that's how it works um in the movie as well yeah i agree and one thing that i found interesting about the city was that it's very similar to not only modern day Atlantic City in the US and Vegas which is pretty obvious yeah. because that's what it's named after mm-hmm. but also ancient Greek society which links back to that Poseidon thing. Yeah. So if you didn't know, Greek society was not a good place to be especially if you're a woman. No one had rights and uh general mm-hmm. immorality was pretty much everywhere. I mean there was incest there was gambling uh generally human rights okay. were not really respected other than a few things more or less everything was game and you could you know mistreat your slaves and do really whatever you wanted so that feels like it was intentional and it was made more intentional by the fact that they chose to name the king Poseidon instead of Neptune drawing the parallels between greek uh, mythology and for me it's yeah like because they've also had neptune in another movie so i thought that that was definitely an, uh, a choice and it seemed to link nicely into the philosophy of hedonism it seemed to be a good showcase of that which is uh, the idea of seeking pleasure and avoiding suffering uh, as your ultimate goal which 
has its roots in Greece, interestingly enough. So that was one parallel that I found to be interesting. Yeah. Should we move on? Uh, yeah, before we move on, we could introduce our guest. <laughs> our impromptu midway through guest. Yeah. So, uh, he's a, a film student in IB. Goes by the name of DJ. Why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you guys for inviting me in this episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm a film student in IB. I like talking about film. It's my passion. Everything about film just interests me. The imagery, the big picture, everything. Yeah, All right, okay, so welcome. The, the next thing we'll be talking about in the movie is the sage character. And this links back into the whole Atlantic City thing. And um, what did you think of Sage as a guide? As a guy. As a guide. As a guide. <laughs> yes, a guy who's a guide. <laughs> well, he wasn't in like most of the scenes, right? I mean, I think he fits. He he fits into that hero's journey pattern that we see them go through. Yeah, yeah. And he's, there's some pretty meta jokes as well, but generally, I felt like he fits into that common old wise guy kind of role that we see in most movies. Like in the Dark Knight trilogy, you have uh, what's his name, Alfred, who's played by yeah, Alfred, Michael Caine. Yeah. And over here, you have Sage and you have Gandalf, and yeah, he fits into that into that role. So I think he he definitely helps steer them back onto the right track and linking back to what we were saying about Atlantic yeah. City, he warns them about, you know, being on edge and being cautious about what's going on and making sure that you're not losing focus, which they do multiple times, mm -hmm. even in that prison mm -hmm. scene. He's there again and telling them that maybe, you know, think about what you're doing instead of fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, I think that's uh, the com common uh, common thing about this movie which is probably one error um that one down um that downgrades the movie one step down um i think because it's so common um you have so many you have this constant structure of somebody coming in in some form out of nowhere and sort of helping out the hero achieve the ultimate goal and I think that that was that's the, one of the biggest parts where you see that this is very common. But again, I think as the story-wise and structure-wise, I think Sage is a guy who sort of puts together everything, glues every scene together, and sort of makes the story flow better. So I think in that sense, I think Sage, the character in itself, was very very well placed and um, very well structurally, um, um, yeah, built in. What do you think about that, DJ? I mean, I kind of agree, but he's not in enough scenes, like, to put it together, really. It's more like SpongeBob moving around and stuff. And, I yeah, I mean... The way he connects yeah, in this, he's there sometimes, but those sometimes are really quite helpful. Yeah, that's Like, at the beginning, when he gives them the token, which is really mm -hmm. a symbol, and then when he reminds them before Atlantic City, and then when he reminds him after Atlantic City and then in the prison so he's not there that often so he is shown as wise point. yeah Yeah. so he is show, uh, shown as wise and like 
I guess he kind of helps them on the path. I guess is what you trying to, was was that what you're trying to say, David? Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. That um, I mean, like that's the common thing. It's it plays both ways. This it's also it downgrades the movie one step back as well because it's so commonly used in so many yeah. movies. So it's not as effective, I guess. But, yeah, but then again, it's structurally makes sense and yeah. it fits in very, blends in very well into the movie. That's true, yeah. I agree, yeah. and I think when he leaves is when the pacing starts to fall apart. That mm-hmm. The ending is sort of like yeah, I mean, spoiler yeah. warning. It's like a half ending scene. Yeah, it's <laughs> hashed um, together. Out of, out of the blue, out of the yep. blue. There's and the lack of sage. It, you're definitely right that he does act like a glue, and when he is there, the pacing feels more fluid. Because I think the first half of the movie was better than the last yeah, half. Definitely. But which SpongeBob's okay. one like? Where would you rate this in the SpongeBob movies? There are only three movies, right, in total. I think this is probably the worst. Yeah. Uh, I saw Sponge out of I water. I watched the other two. <laughs> so I yeah. don't know. But, I mean, um, yeah, almost I everyone think thinks these. This is worse. Yeah, then I guess it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> we, who knows we might do them in later weeks definitely not next week yeah. it's enough Spongebob for one week but maybe later I, but I think I think the movie in itself is very simple definitely um, sort of if you're if you're if you watch Spongebob stopped and then it's like a revisit into that universe like again and then sort of refreshes your mind and in that sense uh, that connection you had from childhood it builds it really well because it does at the start it does have that classic spongebob yeah. story yeah. Um, plankton but then later on like later on you kind of get yeah. i don't know you get bored kind of yeah it's it's definitely that you get bored because the story is so common and you've seen so many stories that have followed the same sequence with the different characters and maybe a different storyline, but it uses the same sequence of the hero facing a problem and then at the end coming out as the winner. Yeah. And I think that's too common nowadays. That's why I think it felt more boring. But if he kind of failed, maybe uh, that would have been good. Like if he just and he didn't uh, help Gary in the end. I don't know. Maybe they could like, but maybe they wanted to end it here. I guess. I, I mean, if they could build on the ending again um more in the more um you could say stru- well structured way um and having a reason behind why they ended it that way i mean the reason they do provide but it's so weak and so out of the blue that if you have a sensible reason i think it would have been much better structurally for the movie as a whole as well yeah i think the problem with the ending is also that there's a lot of telling and not a whole lot of showing mm-hmm. and they just yeah. like what uh, squidward <laughs> felt very out of character just telling exactly what his relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. with spider you don't really oh, do like that him, in films like don't. in most like a good director wouldn't really do that yeah it felt it felt lazy lazy writing and <laughs> yeah like it's kind of nostalgic but they i don't know like they could have helped the old fans like I don't know, they could have uh, done something more entertaining, I would say. And like, had better structure. Yeah, I mean, 
the movie in itself feels rushed and the movie in itself is pretty short as well it's one hour 30 minutes um that which scene is that um the devil scene diablo scene yeah that went like like that it went really fast and then there's nothing in between i guess till they reach the paradise city oh no sorry not paradise atlantic city and then everything goes so fast there and then they just seems to wrap up everything very quickly so i think you don't have those emotional breaks in between or something that slowly builds upon and in a sense this movie was made is probably worse than other movies because this movie goes from diablo scene something hard and then they go to something a bit harder and then they just end it whereas other movies they show the progress of how they show that failure and then how they go give like overcome it um yeah overcome it and then that overcoming is constant but in this movie i think there's only once where you have that overcoming and then again the diablo scene is just a comical scene you don't have anything overcoming um and i think the only place where they overcome is the jail but then again i don't know man (laughs) but what about like the movie yeah yeah carry on yeah go ahead so i'm saying uh so you know like um, because like people that are non-fans like they don't know spongebob i don't know they're kind of new there are going to be less people uh, like less less of those type of people but for them it's like kind of i don't know it's not like it didn't show spongebob the way it should be showed i guess yeah like he does show us silly but there's not much character uh, like they don't show much uh, how spongebob changes at all but it's not really based on spongebob i guess yeah actually i think the overall story um uh it's a whole new universe separate from spongebob yeah that's true and then they just put you in that spongebob area if the writers and director i bet thinks that the viewers will already know about what type of character spongebob is what type of character um plankton is what type of character all these other characters are and i think that's the reason why it feels rushed yeah that's true I guess we'll move on from that. We've gone pretty deep into that. And one thing, I don't know if I mentioned we're going to talk about this, but it felt like the snails getting captured and used by the king were a pretty blatant symbolism for the environment and protecting the environment. I mean, it seems like there's a direct parallel between, uh, some people even use snails in real life, but you know, like fish, or uh, animal products, dairy, yeah, yeah, where a lot of that is getting overused, or even even plants, and uh, yeah. they, they leave it off at that ending with the uh, uh, what do they say snail re- snail wildlife reserve. So yeah, that yeah, felt like yeah, one yeah. thing that at least gives a sugar coating to the movie and makes mm-hmm. it yeah. more justifiable. I think I think the movie does tackle very um, in a sly way. They do tackle very important problems. Yeah. And then the snails, one thing, the robots, the other, and then society in itself again is the third. I think that's re- a really well done job in the sense that this is an animation probably targeted towards younger children. And then in yeah, order so to embed those ideas from a young age, I think it's really well played. In. I agree. For like the older on, fans, yeah. it's not going to be as uh, engaging, I would say. Yeah, for first time. Yeah, 
So I think we'll move on to our last talking point, which we just mentioned, uh, and that was the very, very careful mention of of robots and automation, which we see with the auto character, and uh, we see later on as well. And I think the first instance was when Sandy mentions that oh, we have this new robot and I'm going to sell it to automate your restaurant. And SpongeBob's like, oh, so you're not going to need me anymore? And then she says, oh, that's already going to happen. So I felt like that was pretty interesting because, I mean, it's, it's a, a pretty serious thing. I mean, it yeah. definitely could happen. I mean, the, traje- mm-hmm. the trajectory that we're looking at, AI and uh, machine yeah. learning could definitely replace a lot of jobs. So what did, how did you feel mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, they just go on with it. They just laugh it out, I think. They just, they don't take it much so seriously, but again, it's understandable. Yeah, because most kids yeah. are just, they won't understand what's happening, yeah, but the yeah. older fans, they yeah. will definitely don't understand what the yeah, message is. I think in that sense, it's understandable why they ended it that quickly, but just slightly hinted upon it, because it's obviously targeted towards children and they won't know much about how the world's moving on. So yeah, um, but the robot automation thing is one of those, again, slide cheeky moments where the writer and director sort of puts in an important theme and tries to present their, I mean, idea, the world's problem. But again, I think another interesting part was that how by the end of the movie, the robot and everybody gets along with each other. You see how uh, the robot sort of drives a car and then comes in and then yeah. they sort of swallow. Wait, do you see how uh, they're making her a bit like demanding, like you're fired? She kept on saying that, like, oh, that kind yeah, of, that's, that's a reference point. to, like, uh, I yeah. don't know, somehow robots uh, <laughs> taking Fine, us that's... over. Taking yeah, that's yeah. definitely another possibility that they've snuck in. Mm-hmm. And they do sneak it in. Yeah. Well. For me, the best jokes in the movie were the ones that had those themes behind them and that were that would have flown above the head of a regular kid but if you're if you know then you know yeah okay that's mostly it that's that's it uh that'll be it we already gave our ratings for the movie dj if you want to go ahead how much did you rate it i gave it a 5.5 what about you david yeah i gave it a six um, yeah. I'm gonna give it a uh, five, a solid five. Make it, yeah. No, solid, but okay. yeah, halfway. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Alright, that yeah. is it for our episode on Sponge on the Run. We'll be coming in next week with another movie. Maybe Tenet. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so thank yeah, you maybe, for listening. Maybe, if that's maybe. Let us know if that's what you want.